Imagine this, you're a solo real estate agent. You've been licensed about three years. All of a sudden, you find yourself working in a big city where you don't know anyone. What do you do? Ah! Well, no, I mean, yeah, that's understandable, but maybe after that, you get down to business. You think about sales and marketing 101, and you ask yourself, who is my target audience, and how can I create value for them? That's exactly what Kimberly Meserve did as a solo agent in 2018. She decided her audience was first-time homebuyers, and seminars to teach them about the buying process or how she could add value. So, what happened? 2019 was my first full year in Boston, and I closed 11.7 million in volume. It was probably like close to 90% from the first time homebuyer seminars. And then 2020, um, I closed 23 million, 23 and a half million that year. And again, heavy from the buyer seminars. Now, as I've started to grow our team, it's probably closer to like 40% of our business because we've added kind of more legs to that chair. Um, but it's it's still a significant lead generation lever in our business. Now that you know what happened, stay tuned. Kimberly's going to share how it happened, how she built her pipeline practically from scratch with first-time buyer seminars, and how you can do it too. This is The Walkthrough. Hello, hello. My name's Matt McGee. Welcome to The Walkthrough. This is a weekly podcast. We have new episodes come out every Monday morning. This is the show where you'll learn what's working right now from the best real estate agents and industry experts in the country. At Homelight, we believe in real estate agents. We're here to explore how great agents grow their business, stand out from the crowd, and become irreplaceable. Education as marketing. You've heard me say it before. The best marketing you can do is to answer people's questions and solve their problems. You've heard me say, if you don't answer people's questions, the next agent will. That's why I love what Kimberly Meserve is doing in Boston. She's educating first-time home buyers on how to buy a home. And that's an audience that you know really needs to be educated. A lot of her students have become clients. It worked for her as a solo agent, and it's still working today as Kimberly leads the street property team that she just formed last year. So whether you're a solo agent or part of a team or running a team, there's a blueprint here you can learn from. On today's show, Kimberly is going to share pretty much a step-by-step -step guide to putting on buyer seminars. We're going to cover from how she markets them to what she teaches in the seminar, the follow-up, and more. Stay tuned to the very, very end of the show. One more minute is back. I have a quick follow-up tip related to one of our recent episodes. Quick little bit of background. In the beginning, Kimberly did in-person seminars at a local restaurant. When COVID hit, she switched to virtual seminars. And those have been such a success, and they have a much lower cost, by the way, that she is still doing virtual seminars today. But as you listen, you will hear her mention beers and restaurants and such a couple times. That's why. Kimberly was in the process of moving to Boston when she did her first buyer seminar. She didn't know anyone and needed a way to build her pipeline. And that's where our conversation begins. 
I didn't have any sphere of influence here. I just was putting myself out there, meeting people, even like through dating apps, um, (laughs) because I was single at the time. I realized that a lot of people could afford to buy. They just didn't think they could. Um, so we, it is a very expensive market here, but it wasn't necessarily an affordability issue at the time. It was more of a lack of education. So I would be talking to people who were spending $2,600 a month, $2,700 a month on rent, which is actually very cheap for our area now. Um, but this obviously was four years ago. Um, and they were telling me, you know, I can't afford to buy, or my credit score is at a 700 and I need a 750 to buy, or I don't have 20% down. And I realized it wasn't that these people couldn't buy. It was that there was a, a gap in the education around what it took to purchase a home. So I had met this lender that spring and he was very new to the business, like very gung-ho, wanted to try anything, willing to just commit to working with people and giving it some time and effort to get business. And so I approached him and I was like, you know what, I'm talking to people and I think this is an issue that we should approach. Um, No one had really been doing first-time homebuyer seminars at a high level, but I love a good challenge. Like if no one's doing it, I want to be the one to figure it out. What I am hearing is that just from conversations with people in your target audience, you discovered a pain point that they didn't understand the process. They didn't understand the opportunity of buying. And so you wanted to fill that. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of stuff that we take for granted as agents of having knowledge around. And still to this day, every time we have a workshop, we will ask people questions like, what's the minimum credit score required to buy? Or does anybody know what's going on in the market? And we get like the craziest answers. Like the we have been in the all-time deepest seller's market, historically speaking, the last few years. And I still have people coming to the the workshop saying, I've heard it's a buyer's market. So it's like, it's things that we just take it for granted as knowledge as real estate agents that the general public doesn't always know, or they don't understand what that means. Right. So I saw this opportunity to just educate people and, and provide them with value before ever asking for anything in return. You mentioned that you have a lender that you do these with. I assume you split the costs. So the ROI on these must be remarkable. Yeah. So we do split the costs. And the cool thing that's happened since we started is actually we moved to doing them virtually, of course, because of a pandemic. So what happened was I had a coach who was like, track your numbers, track your numbers, track your numbers. And I'm so grateful for that because there were some events, like our first few events were really well attended and I was so excited about this. And then a few months in, we had an event where like four people showed up. And I think that's the point where most agents give up, right? They're like, okay, it was luck. It doesn't work anymore. Um, And fortunately my coach was like, track your numbers. And what happened was every person that showed up to that event bought a house. Um, one of them bought a $750,000 condo. So I don't know about you, but I would rather have an event that has a 100% conversion rate than a very low conversion rate. So I was very diligent about tracking numbers. Um, And what happened was COVID came around, right? And I had built, because I had so many months of data around how many people on average attend, what's my conversion rate. Um, Going into 2020, I had built my entire business plan around how many, like I just said, how many houses am I going to sell this year? Like how much money do I want to make? And I just worked backwards and figured out how many events I had to do. So 
um, we had to pivot to doing it virtually with the pandemic, obviously, because we couldn't be seeing people in person. And that cut down on our costs significantly. So now we're basically just spending money on the lead generation aspect. We don't have to pay for beer for people. We don't have to pay for materials to like put together packets for them before the event. So it's gotten very cost effective and we have a really good ROI on it. You talked about tracking, tracking, tracking your numbers. What all are you tracking? Yeah. So we track, um, how much money we're spending, obviously, um, and what we're getting for like views and clicks on every single ad. We track um, registrations, we track attendance. So we don't expect every person that registers to actually show up, right? Um, things happen, life happens. Mm-hmm. We track conversion, like how many of those people convert to clients and in what time frame. So there's usually a portion of people that might be more immediate business. Um, then there's some like six to 12 month business and then further out. I have people from 2018 that just closed on a property a month ago. So it it can be like very pipeline building business. You just have to commit to um, following up with it, right? So with these virtual events, Kimberly, how are you getting people to sign up? What does the marketing look like, the promotion? Yeah, pretty much just through Facebook ads. Since I didn't know anybody when I moved here, didn't have a lot of options, right? I wasn't like calling all my friends or calling my massive database of 10,000 people, inviting them. So we run all the ads through Facebook ads. Uh, For many years, I was the one actually setting up the ads myself. I do have somebody um, that handles that for me now, but it really hasn't changed in terms of what we're doing to target people. Um, Of course, there's always changes that need to be made when you're dealing with Facebook. Anybody who's experienced running ads through them, it's like never a super straightforward (laughs) process. Um, So true. But we... Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're we're doing Facebook ads, sending them to an Eventbrite page and having them register on Eventbrite and then um, collecting all their information, obviously. And then we're, um, a- again, what was working years ago, it doesn't necessarily work the same way now, but we used to just kind of send a couple emails and texts. And now we are like feverishly calling people and confirming because everybody's attention is scattered all over the place. One of the interesting things Kimberly mentioned is that the cost of Facebook ads to advertise these virtual seminars is a lot less than what it cost her to market the in-person seminars. Now, there could be any number of reasons for that, but it definitely improves the ROI, and it's one more reason why she's sticking with virtual seminars for now. I asked Kimberly how much she spends on Facebook ads to promote a buyer's seminar. The answer is about $500 per event. But Kimberly made a great point. What she spends on Facebook ads has no bearing on what you should spend. Your market is different. The size of your target audience is different. The amount of competitors buying ads in your market is different. So if you spend $500 on Facebook ads to promote your buyer seminar, it could be way more than you needed to spend or way less. It's just something you're going to have to test yourself. If you're thinking about doing a buyer seminar of your own, maybe your biggest question is, what should I teach? Tell me about the content, Matt. Well, as we get back to the conversation, get ready to take some notes. I'm going to shut up and let Kimberly spend about five or six minutes walking us through the 90-minute seminar. 
take me to the beginning of the workshop, Kimberly. So I am an attendee. I've clicked on the Facebook ad. I log into Zoom, I assume. Walk me through the process. What happens? Yeah. So I am big about setting expectations. If you want to do this, you have to understand how to like take charge of an audience and how to like run the room. So I set the expectation from the very beginning that this is going to be interactive. We're going to ask you to participate. You're not just going to sit there and be a voyeur throughout the next 90 minutes. Um, So we highly, highly encourage participation. And when you're doing it on Zoom, you have to get comfortable with like some of the awkward silences that you don't necessarily get as much in person. Um, One of the biggest things that I've learned is that you might ask someone a question and especially Especially if they're going to respond by typing in a chat box, it's going to take them a little bit longer than just like shouting out the answer. Um, so we start by just setting the expectation that um, this time is for you. We want this next 90 minutes to be really valuable for you. We want you to walk away feeling like all your questions are answered and that you understand what the best next step is for your situation. Um, so we kind of do some icebreakers, like start by just introducing yourself. Tell us what brought you here. What questions do you have? And then we kind of talk a little bit, um, answer some of the questions. If we have quick things or we might say, Hey, that's a great question. We're going to answer that. Um, when we get to it in this section of the content. So we start with that. And then, um, I do a quick introduction of myself, just kind of who am I? I'm just here to, to answer your questions, help you through this process, no pressure. And we start, um, with the actual content by jumping in with what's happening in the market. So that's where I start to get like some of those weird questions, right? So I might say like, Hey, I just want to hear from you guys and what you might be hearing from your friends or your family what have you heard about what's going on in the market? And then I'll wait and get like some answers and then, okay, cool. Let's talk about what's really going on in the market. Um, A lot of it is like putting things into perspective, right? So right now we're at like five and a quarter, five and a half percent interest rates and people are freaking out about it. Historically speaking, like I know my parents bought in the double digits interest rates, right? Like Five and a quarter, five and a half is not that bad when you put things into perspective of a historical timeline. When you go down into the two and a half, three percent that we've been so spoiled by, anything is going to feel weird upward from that. Just like when we've been at two weeks worth of inventory and now we're at a month worth of inventory, like that's going to feel weird and people are going to freak out. So a lot of that is just like setting the proper expectations, like, hey, you know, historically speaking, five and a half, not that bad. Um, we talk about the benefits of homeownership. So tax benefit, uh, capital gains, you can write off your interest on your uh, taxes from your mortgage. We also have 14 communities in Massachusetts that allow a residential tax exemption to encourage people that are like residents living there instead of investors. Um, They get a break on their taxes. So we talk about some of that stuff. Then we talk about what's a buyer's market versus a seller's market, right? Like what is absorption rate? It's not necessarily that there's less houses. It's that the houses are selling quicker, right? Then my lender will do a whole section on financing, pre-approval. What is a pre-approval versus just getting like a pre-qualification? They even offer something called a pre-commitment where they send the buyer through underwriting ahead of time so they can waive the financing contingency if it's the right situation for that buyer. So we talk about those different things. What is a lender looking for? They're going to look at your credit. They're going to look at your income and how much you have for assets. 
at that point, one of my favorite questions to ask people is, what is the minimum credit score required to purchase a home? And I hear <laughs> the most insane answers. <laughs> so that's always a, a good laugh for me. And then we kind of say, hey, you know, this is this is what it is. You technically can buy with like a 580. Some lenders will do that. You really should aim for like a 620. So we go through financing, closing costs, what's involved in that. And then we'll talk about the timeline. This is where I really start to soft close people. And I think that's a huge mistake that people make when they're trying these events is they don't ever close the buyers, right? We're still salespeople. Um, And so what I'll say is like, if you're within 12 to 18 months of wanting to buy a home, the next step is for us to set up a time to, uh, to meet and just talk about your goals what kind of property you want. Um, You might have really good credit already, but we might be able to help you get to great credit and improve your interest rate. You might have a few things that you need to pay down, different credit cards, that kind of stuff. But in in your situation as a first-time homebuyer, time is really going to be your friend. Um, If you're pressed and you have a lease running up and you don't give yourself that time, it might not put you in as good of a situation. So I am a big believer of I want anybody that is within 12, maybe 18 months of purchasing, I want them in my world and I want them in my pipeline. 78% of buyers will work with the first agent that they meet. So I'm very intentional about, I'm that's me, right? I, I am the first agent that you're meeting along your home ownership journey. And I'm going to stay in touch with you so that when the time is right, I'm going to be your agent. And you mentioned the soft close that you start as you go through the timeline and the buying process. Is there a a more direct call to action at the end? Like how do you, how do you wrap things up? Yep. So that we're soft closing then, and then we'll talk about the different types of properties, condos, multifamilies, or single, single families from both the real estate agent side of things. And then the lender side of things, because, um, us agents know like multifamilies, you can use the rental income to qualify for a higher purchase price. Right. Um, so we talk about that. And then when we wrap up we're that's when we're giving them the opportunity, Hey, if you feel like you're in the next 12 months or so, let's set up a time to talk. Um, We can just, it doesn't have to be any pressure, very casual. And sometimes I might just tell them to talk to my lender and have what we call a preliminary conversation. Um, If I like to answer any like first time buyer objections up front before they even come up. So like one thing I'll hear people say is, well, I don't want to get pre-approved yet because I don't want my credit pulled. Oh, that's fine. Just talk to my lender. You don't have to go through the full pre-approval process if you're not ready and you don't want your credit pulled, but at least have a conversation with him, see where you stand. That way you can he can make some recommendations um, and help you out. And like the other thing too is that when you get your credit pulled for a mortgage, it's very different than a credit pull for a credit card, right? When you get a credit card, they look at um they look at that debt differently. The credit companies look at mortgage almost as like good debt. So those points actually come back to you. Um, and people just don't know that. Right. So I explained that, Oh, okay. Like, well then maybe we will talk to him. I loved the detail that you went into when you're explaining what you teach. Um, let me ask a, 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 just a couple clarification questions of that. This is on zoom. So you're not just like talking into the camera. I, I mean, you have slides up and visuals and all that sort of stuff, right? 
Yeah. So what we did um, when we were doing them in person is we made the mistake of having a PowerPoint. And I noticed that people were just glazing over. So we realized like, okay, we need to have something to keep them like more engaged. Right. So we ended up taking all the content that was our presentation and turning it into a PDF. And we would print the booklets and give them to them at the um, appointment. This served a couple of purposes. First, it was branded to us, right? So um, they're taking all of their notes in there of things they're learning. There's fill in the blanks. There's sections to take notes. They might not be ready to buy, but they might put that on a shelf. And then six months down the road, they might think, hmm, maybe I want to revisit buying a home. Oh yeah, I took that class and I have all those notes oh my gosh, there's that real estate agent's contact information. Um, so it, it was really helpful in that it kept them more engaged because there was like areas where they had to fill in the answers. And then it had all of our information for when they were ready to purchase. We still do send that same booklet out. Um, we haven't changed that at all. So w- when we had to switch to doing it virtually, I was like, well, I guess I'll just email this PDF to everybody. And I did not think that people would care at all. I've had so many clients say that they printed it out and that they were taking their notes along the way. So we are basically screen sharing and delivering that same presentation like we would have if we were in person. What is the right cadence for these? Like is monthly too often? Like how often do you guys do them? We're now doing them three, uh, every three weeks. Um, So I find that it's it's good to have at least two weeks for advertising before the event in the, in the old days. Um, in 2018, we were doing them once a month. That's kind of what we started with. And then halfway through 2019, I was like, I want to sell more houses. Let's do more of these events. So I did, I probably did maybe 18 or 20 events that year. Um, 2020, we did twice a month. And then we've consistently done at least twice a month. Now we're just starting to do it a little bit more as our team is growing and as we have bigger lead generation goals. In my head, I would think that if you said twice a month, I'm thinking, wow, that feels too frequent to me, but it's obviously it's working. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you were someone who was really interested in getting started in the process, right. And maybe something came up, you got called into work that day or your car got a flat tire. Some for some reason life happened and you couldn't attend that event, but you were like, I really want to buy a house and I really don't know where to start. You don't necessarily want to wait another month to get started. And in that time, I could have lost you to another agent, right? And the more you do these, right? It, 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 the it's pretty easy at this point, I would think, to put them on because you've got the system in place and and you're not having to reinvent the wheel each time. Exactly. Um, I pretty much show up to my computer five minutes before, log in, <laughs> let my lender in, make him a co-host, and we rock and roll. So it's it's nice because it's like an hour and a half of my time. You mentioned that you had an attendee from 2018 just close a deal recently with you, which is only possible if you have great follow-up after the seminar. So what, do, what does your follow-up look like? It's multifaceted. So I'm really big on social media and people end up like following me on social media, which I think helps. Cause it's just like, again, building that mind share, right. When I'm posting stuff, they're constantly seeing our team successes and different things that we're doing. Um, I also like 
that particular person that I was talking about, she was on a property alert. She thought she was going to buy something a couple years ago. So we went through that whole process. And then she was like, oh, I don't think I'm ready. And I, I don't pressure people. Like if you're not ready, you're not ready. That's totally fine. Um, and that also builds trust a lot too, is if you're not trying to sell them on anything, you're not trying to push them into anything, they're going to trust you a lot more when the time is right for them. So she was just on property alerts. I was checking in regularly. Our team also does quarterly giveaways for our database and we do like big ticket items. Um, We've done a Peloton. We did um, a Home Depot gift card for like a thousand dollars. We like, these are really hot. Like you want to enter this, not just like here's a $50 gift card to this restaurant. Right. So that's another excuse for us to be like talking to people. And we, anybody that's in our pipeline, they're getting um, invited to enter into those giveaways. So it's just another excuse for us to stay in touch with them and provide them with an item of value. If someone registers, but doesn't attend, do you also follow up with them? A hundred percent. There are so many people that we've com- that we've converted that registered and never attended an event. We'll often say, hey, like, uh, sorry, we missed you at our event last week. Did you want to get information for an upcoming one? Or we might just open the conversation um, by saying like, where are you at in the process? Can we set up a one-on-one to go over that same information? So the goal is always to get someone to an appointment, but we just honor them and follow up with them based on where they're at in the process. Do you invite them to future workshops as well? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. So every person, if, if you, let's say you registered for an event and you didn't show up, um, and I was never able to get in touch with you, I've called you, I've texted you, whatever, you might be ghosting me. Um, I don't really care because I'm going to follow up with you until you either die or tell me to F off. So you're going to get invited to future events. You're still going to get called. Like you're getting the full treatment just like anybody else. Um, And that happens a lot. We have a lot of people that might register for like three or four events before they actually attend one. And then they're ready to become a client. Like it just... I've had so many one-sided conversations um, with people. Like I had clients where I looked and it was like just me having 20 text (laughs) conversations with myself and they never responded to me. And then one day it's like, Hey, we're ready to buy a home. Will you help us? And I'm like, really? Like you couldn't have like responded to at least one of my texts, but I, I don't care. It's like, sometimes that's just we're, we're all in our own like busyness of life and you might not be ready and that's okay. Like, I'm just going to be ready when you're ready. Is this the kind of thing that you sort of have to accept that you're going to make mistakes along the way and learn as you go? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest issues that agents have is they don't get started because they think it has to be perfect. We have like the ugliest looking booklets in the beginning and like six months in, I finally redid them. It doesn't have to be perfect. If you focus on making it perfect, you're never going to get started. Just get started and learn along the way. Um, we're all human, right? So it doesn't have to be perfect, but if you don't do anything, you're never going to get the results. I love that. Just get started. That's the key. And based on what you just heard, I think you have everything you need to get started if you want to use buyer seminars to build your pipeline. Great, great stuff, Kimberly. Thank you so much. By the way, buyer seminars were our focus today. Um, I'm not sure of the exact date, but in probably three or four weeks, we're going to have an episode focused on seller seminars. So, 
We'll cover both sides of the, uh, the seminar coin, as it were. Stay tuned to the very, very end of today's episode. I'll have a one more minute coming up with a tip that's related to and inspired by one of our recent episodes. Right now, let's do our takeaways segment. Here's what stood out to me from episode 90, first time buyer seminars with Kimberly Meserve. Takeaway number one, education is great marketing. Kimberly discovered that there are a lot of people in her market who didn't realize they could afford to buy a home. She saw an opportunity to educate people and give them value. That's what the seminars are all about, and that's often where great marketing begins. Takeaway number two, her seminars are all virtual right now. She suggests that you start that way too. No need to find an event space, no need to pay for an event space, no need to pay for snacks, coffee, all that kind of stuff. Kimberly says the buyer seminars had a great ROI when she did them in person, but it's an even higher ROI with a virtual seminar. Takeaway number three, seminars run about 90 minutes. They're very interactive. Kimberly and her lender ask a lot of questions to kind of keep the attendees engaged and involved. You heard her walk us through pretty much everything they teach in the seminars. It was like a six-minute segment where I shut up and just let her share the blueprint. Takeaway number four, there's a soft close at the end. It goes something like, if you're thinking about buying in the next 12 to 18 months, the next step is for us to talk. We'll have a casual conversation, no pressure. We'll talk about your goals, what you're looking for, and so forth. Don't forget to close. And takeaway number five, this is all about building your pipeline. So follow-up is what makes it all work. Kimberly puts attendees on property alerts if she has enough info. They go into her follow-up system, into her database. They get all the calls, the texts, the invites to events, uh, the emails about giveaways, everything. You heard Kimberly talk about how 78% of people will work with the first agent they talk to. She wants to be that first agent for them, and she'll stay in touch until they're ready to buy. Just a couple months ago, she closed with a buyer who attended a seminar back in 2018. And those are my takeaways this week. Remember, one more minute coming up at the very end of the show. In the meantime, if you have any questions or feedback about what you heard today, there's a couple different ways you can get in touch. Leave a voicemail or send me a text. Phone number to use is 415-322-3328. You can send an email to walkthrough at homelight.com, or you can find me and Kimberly in our Facebook mastermind group. Go to Facebook, do a search for Homelight Walkthrough, and the group should come right up. That's all for this week. Thanks again to Kimberly Meserve for joining me, and thank you for listening. My name is Matt McGee, and you've been listening to The Walkthrough. At Homelight, we believe in real estate agents. We're here to explore how great agents grow their business, stand out from the crowd, and become irreplaceable. Go out and sell some homes. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Welcome back, and welcome to another edition of One More Minute. Today, I have a follow-up tip inspired by our recent video episode with Shahida Hill. Here it is. When you're making a video, talk to one person. Whether you write out a script or if you're just ad-libbing the whole thing, talk to one person. 
Yes, hopefully you're going to have many viewers, dozens, hundreds, maybe thousands. But to connect with all those people, they should think you're speaking to them individually. Here's a great quote from the ad guru, David Ogilvy. He said, do not address your readers as though they are gathered together in a stadium. When they read your copy, they're alone. Pretend you're writing each of them a letter, one human being to another, second person singular, end quote. Now, he's talking about writing ad copy, but the message applies to all content. Make videos as if you're talking to one person. That's how the connection happens. That's one more minute. I'm Matt McGee. Thanks for listening. See you next week with another walkthrough.